chapter number nine tonight. The ninth chapter, the book of Proverbs, is where we'll be this evening, and we're going to look at uh, the first, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 verses or so of this particular uh, proverb this evening. And again, I appreciate uh, you being uh, in the Lord's house and uh, being present. I did want to mention that, uh, of course, today being Father's Day, we do want to take this opportunity to wish all of the uh, men here that function in that role, very, very happy Father's Day. Hope that today has been a blessing. Uh, God's given us a beautiful weekend, and hope that you're able to enjoy some of that with your family. And if you did not get this this morning, we have uh, a, a little flashlight here that'll be a help to you. And it's got the little uh, church logo there on the side. And then we're also handing out these man cards, and uh, we want you to, and, uh, and so again, hopefully you'll uh, hold on to that and to take that with you as you go throughout life. Uh, it's not just a man card, but it talks about what it means to be a man scripturally, and uh, I think those are good reminders for us all. Uh, the world has its definition of what a man is, uh, but God has a, a definition of what a man ought to be as well. And I don't know about you, but I prefer the, the Lord's definition. Uh, and uh, hope again that you'll, uh, that you'll uh, take that with you and, and be blessed by that. Well, we're in Proverbs chapter number nine. I did also want to mention uh, that we do have uh, these tickets available uh, for the uh, 4th of July uh, concert. It's actually been on the 3rd of July, uh, but 4th of July weekend, and that is two weeks from tonight. And we will not start that evening service until 8 o'clock p.m., and so, again, we want you to be aware of that, and uh, we're asking that no one be on the property until about 7.15, and that'll help us to kind of get all of our ducks in a row and everything organized. And uh, as we've done in years past, we're asking for everyone to park across the street down American Road, and there in the medical mutual parking lots, there are plenty of parking there, and uh, we could have thousands of people at that event. We probably won't, but we could have thousands and have plenty of parking for everyone over there. And then we've also made available, weather permitting, uh, the field here to the north of the church for our senior saints. And uh, so those of you that uh, would like to take advantage of that, so long as the weather works, uh, then we, uh, we would encourage you to park over there. We'll have police on the street um, kind of directing traffic and, and helping you with those things. Uh, Brother Tom mentioned this this morning. I think it was a good way to put it. He said, these are not like gospel tracts. In other words, we don't want you just to hand these out to anybody and everybody. Uh, we, we do want to try to be a little bit careful as far as just the family members, friends, uh, neighbors, coworkers, people who know you, who will expect to see you at that event. And if you just give these out to anybody and everybody, we just never know uh, what we're going to have to deal with that night. But if we, we give them out to uh, you know, friends and neighbors, we at least have a pretty good idea, okay, these folks have a relationship with them. And as we said this morning, uh, they do have a place for contact info on the back. Our church family does not need to fill that out. Uh, but we are asking for our guests to do that. And of course, uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to do some follow-up. We're also going to be doing some giveaways that evening. And, uh, and we'd, like to do the give we'd like the giveaways to be given to our, to our guests, not necessarily to our church family, and so uh, we'll be able to do that with the names that are submitted. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. All right, Proverbs chapter number nine tonight, we're going to begin reading in verse number one, and, uh, and we'll read down a few verses here. The Bible says in verse number one, wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and live, and go in the way 
of understanding. Tonight, with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach you a message that I've entitled, Wisdom's Banquet Table. Wisdom's Banquet Table. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful Lord's Day that you've given to us. It's Father's Day, and we have tried, certainly, at the uh, Lord, uh, with, with uh, the morning service and even some here tonight, uh, to honor the role of, of, of fatherhood. Uh, and yet, Lord, we've continued on in our journey through the various uh, texts and places that we have been. And uh, Lord, we believe that you have given us liberty to do these things. We pray, Lord, that as we uh, bring this day to a conclusion with this final service of the day, we ask, Lord, that you would meet with us here tonight and that you would teach us some things from your word. Lord, you know that I have been strengthened and I have been helped through my study of this passage, and I believe that there is a, uh, a very, very simple and practical message for us uh, here in this ninth chapter of the book of Proverbs. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd help me as I have uh, the responsibility over the next few minutes to, to preach and teach our way through this text. Lord, help us tonight, we pray. Fill us and use us, and uh, Lord, would you make a profound and impactful difference in our lives tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in, in, in Proverbs chapter number nine, uh, if you are sort of following through this, this narrative, it seems as though Solomon writes in this text and he talks about the fact that, uh, that wisdom, in some respects, is setting a banquet table and wisdom is inviting guests for the specific purpose of teaching them essential and life-giving truths around her, around her banquet table. Um, I, I'm reminded of, of, of the Old Testament story of Esther. And you know that when Esther wanted to communicate something of great importance to the king, what did she do? She prepared a banquet for him. You know that story, don't you? The Bible says in Esther 5 and verse number 4, and Esther answered, if it seemed good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. A little bit later in verse number eight, after they had come, they said, what is it that you want? And I don't know if she got cold feet or if this was all part of her plan to begin with, but she said in verse number eight, once again, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king have said. I think Esther, um, I, I think Esther had a pretty good idea that, uh, that one of the quickest ways into a man's heart is by feeding his belly. I think she understood that particular concept, and it seems as though wisdom has, uh, is, is laboring under the same understanding, uh, that if you want to communicate a message, if you want uh, to teach something uh, to someone, if you want to draw them in, uh, feed them, uh, feed them physically, and then you can share with them what it is that you want them to know. I, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but Christ last night before his crucifixion in the upper room was spent with his disciples around a banquet table. Um, there he communicated, didn't he? Important teaching and truths that would guide them in the days and the years uh, to come after he would ascend back to heaven. I have, in my, uh, in my lifetime, I've, I've attended some different events, maybe fundraisers or, uh, or, or, or things along those lines in which people are asked uh, at that particular event, we want you to give a lot of money, a great sum of money, 
But before we ask you to give, we're going to serve you a delicious meal. And we're going to sit around the table and we're going to treat you really well. And, and, and we're, going to, uh, we're going to have a bunch of different courses. And, and then we're, we're, going to get you, uh, we're going to get you all fed up. And then we're going to stand and we're going to ask you to dig deep in your pocket. So this is not, listen, this is not an unfamiliar concept to us. This idea of gathering people together for a banquet, for a feast. And then, and then asking them to, to do something or, or, or teaching them a particular concept. Great celebrations in this life most often include some form of food or banqueting in which we gather around a table, we eat, we fellowship, and we celebrate. So this is certainly in line with human nature, what wisdom is doing here in preparing this banquet for, uh, for, for her guests is is, is, is a very familiar concept or idea uh, in all of our minds. And I think that Solomon here is recognizing the connection between people eating and people communicating around a table that they are eating at. And he uses this picture to teach some really important truths in verses 7 to 12. And I almost get the idea as I read through this particular book that, that from here on out we're going to find that wisdom is going to, is going to, as it gathers it, those around its table in many respects, the table, of course, being the book of Proverbs, it is going to just, uh, teach and communicate truth after truth after truth after truth. And the goal is, the goal is, uh, from wisdom is, will you, will you sit at my table? In other words, will you, will you take this book and will you open it and will you read it and will you, will you, Will you apply the truths that are given in this particular text? And so I, I really, in some respects, I see sort of a transition in this book. You know, the first, the first several chapters have been easy to preach through because they've dealt with, you know, one chapter will deal with pr- primarily one specific concept. But really from here on out, it's almost as if one verse deals with a concept and then he goes to a next verse and a next verse and a next verse. And to be honest with you, I still don't exactly know how I'm going to preach through all of this. Um, I think maybe what I'm going to do is maybe just pick two or three key truths in each chapter because if not, we're going to be here until the Lord comes back preaching through the book of Proverbs. But I, I really do see sort of a transition in this book and, 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 it, and it happens as wisdom invites her guests to sit around her table and there she communicates these truths. Now, let me, um, let me pause here for just a moment and, and let me just kind of interject something that is very, very practical, but it's something that came to my mind as I was studying and preparing. And that is this. I want to emphasize just briefly tonight the importance of eating together as a family. I realize that, that that's not the, the necessarily the nature of this. So this is just by way of introduction. This is not part of the message. But I, I do feel very strongly that I ought to share some of these things with, with, with our congregation. You know, in our, in our hectic society, it is very rare for families to sit down for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or even longer and, and to enjoy a meal together. That's a very rare thing. And I understand, I do, I do understand that there will be times when this is impossible. But can I say that that should be the exception and not the rule? 
that if you, if you have your family in your home, I'm talking about mom and dad, and, and there's still children living in, in that home, oh, you are, you are gifted a, a beautiful and a wonderful opportunity on a daily basis, at the very least, to enjoy one meal together, sitting around a table in which we fellowship, in which we communicate, in which we talk about the events of the day. I believe when we enjoy a meal together, we should do the following things. I think, first of all, we should offer a prayer of thanksgiving. You can do this any which way you want to. Uh, Typically in our home, I'm the one who prays. And uh, I offer the prayer of thanksgiving. Um, uh, sometimes we hold hands around the table. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we don't. It's sometimes hard when you got a little brother who reaches his hand over to his little sister and she says, I want no part of that whatsoever. But, uh, but, but you can work through those things on your own. But I think that as we gather, as we sit, sort of like the, the commencement of the meal, of enjoying the meal together is that we, that we offer a prayer of thanksgiving. And after that prayer of thanksgiving, it's every man for himself, right? The food starts flying and the utensils and, and all that sort of thing. But I think that's important. I think that's, uh, that's a good way for us to begin the meal. I think, I think around the dinner table, we ought to turn off our mobile devices and our television and our radio. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, that we ought, to, uh, we, ought to, we ought to not to have those things nearby us so that we can be completely and fully and totally in the moment, that we, uh, that we can look at one another and that we can talk to one another. And I'm sometimes guilty of this. I'll get a phone call or I'll get a text or, or, or there'll be something that I'm wanting to check up on or, or perhaps maybe mealtime sometimes follows around, fa- falls around a, a big ball game that I'm wanting to watch. And so the, you know, the TV's there and it's sort of in, my, uh, in the corner of my eye. And, and again, I'm not saying that's the end of the world, but if that's every single meal, I think that's sort of defeating the purpose. I think at the meal together as a family, we should talk about the events of the day. We can talk about the Lord and what he's doing in our family and what the Lord's doing in our church and, and again, what he's just doing in our individual lives. I think at the table, we ought to remain there until everyone has eaten and enjoyed the meal. Instead of you know, throwing all the food down and, and uh, running as fast as we can to get back to whatever it was that we're doing, I think there ought to be some sort of decorum in which, you know, we're sitting here, we're enjoying this meal, and maybe it's when mom gets up, and that's when the meal is over. Maybe it's when dad gets up, but, uh, but it ought not to be when the, you know, whenever the kid wants to, the children want to, they can just get up and leave. I think there ought to be some, again, some, some manners and some rules about these sorts of things. And then I would just say this, don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Be patient. Um, enjoy the time that you have there. I guarantee you there's some folks in this room, there's some folks in this room who would, who would give just about anything to go back 30 years and to sit at a table with young children. Some of, some of us were sitting here saying, I give just about anything to be at a table without young children. And, and I understand, I understand all this, how, the, how all this works. It's all relative. But I guarantee you there's some families in here that would do just about anything. Maybe, that, maybe there's a widow here that would love to sit down with her husband one, one more night for a meal. And enjoy that meal together and to sit and to talk. And, and it's not about the food that's being served. It's about the fellowship. It's about the companion who's sitting there. So I'm just simply saying to those of you that are in that, in that mode and, and you're still living with your family, uh, boy, make that a priority. Uh, Solomon is, is touching on this and he is saying, listen, listen, this is, this is part of life. This is how we live. This is what we do is we gather some of our most intimate connections are developed around a table where we're eating something. So I think Solomon's onto something here. 
And I'm afraid we're missing a key component in the health and the strength of our relationships and of our homes when we uh, consistently bypass meaningful time around the table. Now listen, if, 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 what was, if what was necessary was just a lecture, then Solomon would have written, hey, come on into my classroom and I'm gonna stand here, I'm gonna teach you some things. But instead, Solomon says, no, that's not what you need. What you need is you need to sit at my table and you need a good meal. And once you've eaten that good meal, once you've eaten of the meat and you've drunk of the wine, then, then, I, then I'm going I'm to share some things with you that will be life-changing if you'll apply the things that I'm, that I'm giving to you. So in our text, Solomon writes about wisdom as a person or a character who is, who is furnishing or providing a banquet. And the participants in this banquet will be glad, listen, they'll be glad they participated. And those who refrain from participating will ultimately regret their absence at wisdom's banquet table. They'll look back on it later and they'll say, I wish, I wish I would have sat at that table. I wish I would have been there for that meal. Now let me just share with you two key truths and underneath each truth just some thoughts. Number one, uh, let me just make some important observations about wisdom's banquet. Some important observations about wisdom's banquet. First of all, we discover the setting in verse number one. We find the setting. Look what it says in verse number one. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn her out seven pillars. Now, because the meal that is being served and the truth that is being presented at this at this banquet are of highest quality, wisdom refuses. She refuses to host this banquet just anywhere. She is searching diligently for a first-class setting. And she's, listen, she's willing to spare no expense to serve her banquet in the best venue possible. And so she begins to look around. She can't find anything suitable. There's, there's nothing that's big enough there, there's nothing that is, that is first class enough. Uh, there, there, is, there is no place that will accommodate what she's wanting to accomplish. And so here's what she does. She says, I can't rent a place. I can't purchase a place. So I know what I'll do. I will build a place that is suitable for this banquet that I'm going to host. This is not your average home. It's not your average home at all. No, with, with seven pillars, we're talking about the picture that Solomon is painting in our minds. With seven pillars, this is, this is not a home like you and I think of. This is more of a palace than just a normal, average, ordinary home. And perhaps, perhaps she builds it this big and this ornate and this fancy because she anticipates many, many people will wish to dine at her banquet table. So she makes provision and space for as many who will wish to come. There will always, and there will always be room at wisdom's banquet table. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about her turning people away. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have room. We don't have enough tables. We don't have enough seats. We don't have enough food. No, no, listen, if you want it, if you want in, you can get in. If you desire to sit at wisdom's banquet table, hey, listen, there is plenty of room. Why? Because she has built a she built a house. It's more than just a house. She's built a palace with seven pillars. In other words, there's room for everyone who wants to be a part. You know what I love? You know what I love about heaven is it's big enough for anybody who wants to go. It's big enough for anybody that wants to go. You say, well, how do I get there? Well, you, you got to go there God's way. 
You can't, you can't earn your way there. You, you, know, you, you can't just hope that you're going to end up there. No, no, you come to God on his terms. But I want you to know something. Like wisdom build a house with seven pillars, big enough for everybody that wants it, God, listen, God has prepared a place for anybody that wants to go so long, so long, as they repent of their sins and they place their faith and trust in the blood sacrifice of God's son, Jesus Christ. You can, you can spend eternity in heaven. Anybody in here, there may be someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. You say, it's a Sunday night service most of the people here we're familiar with, but who knows, who knows? There may be someone here that's lost. And if you wanna go to heaven, you can. You can, but you gotta do it God's way. It's big enough, it's big enough for anyone. Now let me just, let me just pause here for, for a moment and try to make a connection about what we're talking about. So for wisdom, listen, for wisdom, money was no expense. Again, this is figurative, I, I get all of that. But, but because money will always be a consideration to most of us, we're, we're probably not gonna be in the same position as wisdom is to be able to build an extravagant palace for the communicating of truth. But we should do, we should do our very absolute best in this realm. Now, I'm speaking specifically here tonight about the local church because the local church is a place in which, listen, in which eternal truth and wisdom is communicated. And as a result, the local church, it ought to, it ought to be in a, in, in a place where it can accommodate anybody that wants to come in and it ought to be a place in which there would be no distractions, there would be nothing that is keeping anyone from hearing the message that is being preached. Now, I remind you that in 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 5, the church, the local church, is the house of God. And as such, it is the pillar and ground of the truth. So, so the, the condition uh, of, of, the, of the location where the church meets should, listen, it should be taken into consideration because of what it is and what is being done there, all right? Wisdom understands this. And wisdom says, what I'm doing is of such importance that I want there to be room for everyone. And I want everyone to get and to enjoy a delicious meal and I want it to be comfortable, and I want it to be big enough where no one feels crowded in, and, and I want to be able to, to communicate the truths in such a way so that everyone can hear them. I don't want sound to be an issue, and, and I don't want people uh, waiting to be fed to be an issue. I, I want to be able to, 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 to anticipate all of these problems in advance so that no one is distracted away from hearing the message. Now, now can you not, some of you are hopefully one step ahead of me, can you not begin to make the connection here? The same thing must be true of the local church. Why, why, do, we, why do we do what we do? Why, why do we build buildings? I, I've, I've heard people criticize churches for building buildings. I mean, come on. No, listen, I understand. I understand in the, in the early days of the church, they, they didn't have that. But I want you to understand something. The book of Acts is a, is a, is a, um, it's a transitional type of a book. And, and there's, lots of, there's lots of things that are happening in the book of Acts that, that either do not or should not necessarily be happening today. Be, because, be, because Acts is a transition from, uh, from the Old Testament, from the, from, from the sacrifices and the temple, it is a transition to the church. And the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, God sends him along and he writes the vast majority of the epistles, and, and really that's what the church ought to look at like, not necessarily the book of Acts. So, so for, us to, for us to criticize churches that are building buildings, 
including padded pews and nice air conditioning and nice lighting and, and, and good sound systems and even, you know, even technology and that sort of thing, that, that's, that's a really silly thing to sit around and criticize churches about. Now, we can, we can criticize, certainly. We, we're, we're all good at that, right? We're really good at criticizing. But, 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 but criticize things that need to be criticized, not, not churches that are trying to be first class because they're, they're communicating truth. That's what wisdom is doing here. Wisdom is saying, my message is of such importance that I don't want there to be any distractions. I don't want there to be any confusion. I want to be prepared and ready for everyone who is going to come. Now, I visited a lot of newer and bigger church facilities than this one, the one that you're sitting in currently. But can I say that I believe, I don't believe I've, I've hardly ever visited a place that has been around as long as this place has been around uh, that is in better shape than this building is in, than this property is in. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You've been to some other places. I'm not here to criticize churches that, you know, maybe, maybe are not able to do some of the things that we're able to do, whatever the case might be. But I'm just simply saying, listen, we, we, we do these things for a reason. And the reason is this, listen, when people walk in these doors, we want them, we, we want them to walk in and we want this place to shine. We want it to shine. Uh, we, you know, I, I, get, I get bothered. We got a screen out. Man, that annoys me. Drives me nuts. And some of you didn't realize it because we don't even have a projector there anymore. The projector that we bought, the port went bad in it. So we had to take the thing down and we're shipping it back to the manufacturer. We're gonna put a new port in and ship it back to us. But I hate that. It's awful, isn't it? How many of you admit, you say, I've been distracted by that thing today, you know? Some of you, you're sitting over here and you're used to looking at that and you're straining your neck having to look at that and it's just throwing you off. And, and it's just, it's awful, it's awful. We have, a, we have a light in this building. I think it's that one right there. When we first turn it on Sunday morning, it flickers like it's a strobe light or something. And I mean, I look at that and it drives, now, now, now usually after two or three minutes, the thing is good to go, but it, but, it, but it does some weird things every once in a while. And I'll just be honest with you, you know, when it's a little warm in here, and I sort of feel a little warm in here tonight. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I sort of feel a little warm in here, but that's a distraction. When I look out at you and, and, and half you out here and you're waving your fan and yourself off, you know, and it tells me it's a little too warm in here. We, we didn't get the air conditioning right. And when trash cans are overflowing and when there's, can I, can I just tell you, Baptist churches are, are great places for people to drop off their junk. <laughs> I can't even believe how much junk can be left around a Baptist church. It's unbelievable, the stuff that, uh, that if we're not careful, don't stay on top of it, uh, things just begin to pile up and begin to build up. And, and there, listen, there's a reason why we, we pave our, our parking lot and why we, uh, why we seal it and why we stripe it. And, and, and there's, a reason, there's a reason why we try to, try to have nice things here and different decorations and, and different things along those lines. Just this week, we have the piano tune and, uh, and, and, and trying, just trying to do different things. Why? 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 So we can show off, so that we can brag about? No, listen, because, listen, because we don't want any distractions to the preaching and the communicating of truth. It's, it's that important. It's that big of a deal. And, that, and that's, why, that's why God's people, they, they need to give and they need to support the work because it takes money to do all of these things. To employ people to run vacuums and to mop hallways and to empty trash and to clean bathrooms and to, and, and to wipe down mirrors and, and, and to fix air conditioning in, in the summer and heating in the, in the winter and, 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 to, and to do carpet cleaning. All of these things cost money, but they're necessary. 
they're so necessary that wisdom said, you know what, I can't find a suitable place. No big deal. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just build a house then. That'll be big enough to accommodate anybody that wants to come and that'll have enough room for everybody uh, so, that I can, so that I can teach and communicate truth, the truth of wisdom. And I just want to say tonight, I'm thankful for men and women who have given their lives to building and updating this property and cleaning it so that it remains a comfortable and beautiful place to hear truth. And these people, many of them, they labor behind the scenes and you don't see them as they, you know, as they climb ladders and as they fix things that are under sinks and, and, uh, and then they get dirty and their hands are dirty and as they have sawdust in their hair and they have paint on their skin because they're, uh, they're, they're updating these things. They clean up, clean up real good when they come to church. But these folks, listen, they're doing the work and they're doing it. They're doing it so that we have an opportunity to communicate truth to people without distraction. And it's really, really important. So the message being given, understand, listen, it's too important. It is too important to have folks distracted by a poor facility, by uncomfortable climate or uncomfortable seating or by some foul odor that exists. Now listen, you're gonna have weird things that happen every once in a while. We came in here on a Wednesday night years ago and there's a bat hanging up in the corner of the ceiling. How many of you remember that? You were there that night. I mean, that was a night. That was a night. You say, how do you remember that? I was preaching that night. You know, how do you compete with a bat flying all around the church? You almost, it all, you know, it's, it reminds you of that, that phrase, truth is stranger than fiction. And I'll never forget it. We opened all the back doors and the bat flew out before the preaching even started. The Lord sent that bat away. I'm thankful for that. You're going to have weird things that happen every once in a while. I understand that. But, but we're, listen, we're trying to limit these things to the best of our ability. And that's what wisdom is doing. The setting, the setting is, listen, I, I, can't find, I can't find anything suitable for what I'm trying to accomplish, so I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. I'll just build a house. And as I build that house, I'll, I'll hewn out seven pillars because, again, we're getting the idea that this is, this is much more than just a, just a normal, average, ordinary house. No, this is a place where, where truth is being communicated and wisdom says, I, I, don't want any, I don't want any distractions and I want this house to be big enough to accommodate everyone. So we see the setting, but notice, notice secondly, we see the table, the table. Look in verse number two. She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. Now, I have to tell you that when it comes to a banquet, um, periodically my uh, wife will, will tell me, hey, we've been invited to this event or to that event, or I'll receive some type of an invite and you know what the one of the first things I want to know is? What's on the menu? <laughs> What's being served? What are we eating? And um, wisdom, wisdom lets you know, here's, here's what's on the menu. You're going to get meat. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good banquet right there. You know, enough of this, you know, uh, veg, veggies and soup and salads and all that sort of stuff. You know, if I'm going to a banquet, I want to I wanna eat some meat, Right? And, uh, and, and so she says, hey, listen, if you come to this, if you come to this, this banquet, here's what you're going to be eating. You're going to be eating meat. And you're going to be drinking wine that I have personally mingled myself. It would seem that a banquet served in a palace that was built for hosting people at banquets such as this would, uh, would serve the best food available, wouldn't it? And that's exactly what wisdom does. She says, if I'm going to go to all this trouble to build this house... 
and, and to invite these people. I'm going to make sure that when they come, they are fed really, really well. And so that's what she does. She, she doesn't just serve meat, though. Look, at, look what he says. He says she serves fresh meat that she has personally inspected and killed. Now, some of you men, you're not married yet. That's the kind of gal you want right there. You want a girl that goes out into the field and uh, takes, you know, takes the meat and slaughters it herself and prepares it for him. That's what he, that's what he says right there. That's the kind of wife I've got. I mean, she says, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but, but this, is, this, is what, this is what this is what he says about it. Now, again, I understand all of this is figurative. I get all of that. But, but this is the picture that is being given. And, and what exactly... Uh, what exactly is, is being said? Well, this is the idea. She's, she doesn't just serve store-bought uh, meat or store-bought wine, but rather, uh, rather meat that she has personally inspected herself and says, this will do, this will work. This will be suitable for my guests that are coming. She doesn't just serve store-bought beverages, store-bought wine. No, she serves wine that she has personally mingled herself. And she has personally furnished the table with decor and perhaps fine china and all of the sides that would accompany a delicious meal like this. In other words, she is personally invested in what is being served at this particular table. In other words, her her fingerprints are all over this meal and all over this table. And she is doing all of this for the purpose of communicating a desperately needed message. Now that's what's, that's what's being, being done here. That's what's being accomplished here. And I'm thinking to myself, again, that as you, as you come to the church house, the setting ought to be what it, what, what it ought to be. But can I say that when you sit down to a feast here at the church house, which is what preaching and teaching ought to be, the fingerprints of God ought to be all over it. That God himself has, has personally met with the preacher or with the teacher who's going to communicate the truth that, 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 listen, that God has chosen the message, uh, that God has mingled the wine so that as we sit down and as we, as we eat and as we, as we feast and as we drink, we're getting something, listen, we're getting something that has been prepared by the very hand of God himself. That's what the preacher ought to be striving to do. Because again, what we're doing, we're communicating a desperately needed message. And so we can't, listen, we can't just have leftovers. We can't, we can't do it. Can I tell you, I, I can't speak for everybody that stands behind this pulpit, but I, I, I can speak for myself and tell you that every week, one of the greatest burdens that I, that I experience is knowing that Sunday is coming and that Wednesday night is coming and that it is my responsibility, just like, just like you moms, for you it's not a weekly thing, it's a daily thing. Dinner is coming. And I've got to have something ready to serve my family, serve my children. And as a result, you're, perhaps you're making grocery lists and you're going to the store and you're budgeting items and you're constantly looking in the cupboards. Do we have enough? We don't have enough of this. We need to go out and purchase some more of this. And you're, just as your fingerprints are on every meal, the, the, the preacher, the pastor, every, every message that he preaches, the goal is that this message is something that's come straight out of the oven in many respects. The microwave won't do. You know, TV dinners just aren't going to work. And I'll tell you what, it better not be airplane food. I think there's nothing worse in all the world than airplane food. I, I can't stand airplane food. And I'm afraid that maybe, maybe some churches, some pastors, maybe even sometimes me, 
I get up and I serve a meal of, of airplane, like Delta Airlines, American Airlines. It's, it's not worth consuming. It's, it's disgusting. And you'd rather just, you know, give it back and I'll buy something when I get to the airport than, than eat this. And I'm just simply saying, listen, what we're doing requires um, the, the, the greatest effort. It re- listen, we are communicating truth. So wisdom, wisdom doesn't just, you know, contract it out and say, well, you know, get a catering company, come in here and do it. No, no, no wisdom goes out and she kills the beast herself. And she prepares it after she's inspected it. And she doesn't just say, well, you know, we'll, 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 we'll go to the grocery store and get the wine that we didn't know. No, she mingles it herself. She prepares it. It's fresh fruit that has been, uh, that, that, that has been made to be a, a form of juice so that it can be served as a beverage. She has done all of these things herself because, because it's important and because it matters. Now notice, probably finally tonight, we're not gonna get to the second key truth, but notice the invitation. It's found in verses three through six. Notice in these verses, we, we consider this idea that you know, a banquet like this requires an invitation to attend, doesn't it? Uh, in other words, you, know, you don't just you know, hear that, oh, there's a party going on over here. I think I'll go to this party. No, you gotta have a connection to the party that's being thrown. You know, you, there's a term out there, I think it's called wedding crashers. People that, I don't know who these people are, but they hear that there's a wedding going on and they crash the wedding and they see how long they can go before somebody realizes these people don't belong here, you know? We don't know these people. Nobody's ever seen these people before. And of course, you know, brides and, and grooms have gotten, you know, pretty clever here in recent days and now they've got tables and you've got to have a name tag and you're sitting at this table and, and so it's a whole lot harder to crash away. But you get the idea, right, that, that, a, that a banquet like this, a, a celebration like this, a feast like this requires an invite, it requires an invitation. One doesn't just walk into an event such as this without one. And so Solomon, Solomon is very careful to point out these truths regarding the invitations that will be given to dine at Wisdom's Banquet Table. Notice number one, he says this, he says, everyone is invited. Look in verse number three. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the cities. These two phrases, she has sent forth her maidens and she crieth upon the highest place of the city is a clear reference that she wishes everyone in her community to attend this banquet. I mean, you get that idea, right? That she, she finds the highest place so that she can be the most visible so that her voice will carry as far as humanly possible and she stands in that place and she lifts up her voice and she says, hey, I am serving a banquet at my brand new house, my brand new palace and everyone is invited to come. There's room for anyone that wants to come. You could come. You are all invited to this banquet. But she says, not, not that will just do. The Bible says that she sends forth her maidens. She sends, she sends people that her truth, her wisdom is already in, servants of hers, to go out and to tell other people, hey, there is a banquet that is being served. You ought to come. It's the most delicious meal that you've ever had. It's the nicest palace that you've ever been in. You will not regret coming to this banquet. Now, do you not see, this is not a gospel passage, but do you not see the gospel all over this thing? That, 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 that Jesus is standing today and he is lifting up his voice and he is saying to everyone, whosoever will may come. But he's not just doing that. No, he has, he has chosen out some maidens 
Some of you men are sitting here saying, it's Father's Day. I'll be a servant. Thank you very much. And that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to call you a servant because the Bible calls you that as well. But he sends his servants into all of the world, and we are, we are commissioned, we are commanded to invite everyone to Christ's banquet table. That's our job. That's our job. If you, are a, if you are a Christian, you're a believer today, and you're not giving your life to communicating the truth of the gospel, then you're not being faithful to what Christ has called you to do. And we have a responsibility to invite anyone and everyone. The whole community is invited to participate. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what color skin they have. Doesn't matter what neighborhood they live in. Doesn't matter what they do for a living or what they don't do for a living. You know, this person doesn't have a, have a job. Should they be invited? Well, if she's standing on the highest point in the city, they're gonna, they're gonna hear her voice that apparently they're invited. She sends forth her maidens and she doesn't, you know, cap it and say, well, don't invite these types of people or don't go to this neighborhood or, or, or if they're standing on the side of the street and they're not working, don't invite them. No, everyone, everyone is invited. I'm reminded that the truth and message of the Bible has always been for everyone. It has always been for everyone. The Bible says in Isaiah 49 in verse number six, and he said, it is, a, it, is a, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Amen. The Jews missed it. They missed it. They thought, they thought that the relationship with God was just for them. They were very stingy, weren't they? In fact, they developed a, an animosity and a hatred towards Gentiles, towards people that were not Hebrew by birth. And they missed it, didn't they? God says, listen, God says, I didn't, I didn't do all of this just so you could keep it to yourself. I did all of this so that you could be a light to the Gentiles as well, to, to, the, to the very ends of the earth that everyone here on this earth might know the Lord. You know, we can sit around and we can criticize the Jews all we want. I'm talking about the Jews of this period and of this time is it possible that we as New Testament Christians have done the exact same thing? I'm not going to share the gospel with that guy. I'm not going to share the gospel with her. They don't deserve it. Well, they're mean and they're nasty and they're cantankerous and they're living a lifestyle that I don't approve of and that I don't condone. They're not worthy of the gospel. Do sometimes we, we, we have that same attitude in our minds, don't we? And in our hearts. Sometimes we... We don't even carry tracks so that even if we, even if we did want to share the gospel with someone, we had nothing to, nothing to share it with. I'm just simply saying, listen, God, God has designed the Bible and that the truth of the Bible is for everyone. It's for everyone. The Bible says in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations. This, this thing is, listen, this thing is for everybody. Wisdom says this, this thing is for everyone. I... Um, would tell you that the message, the invitation of the gospel and of the Bible isn't to be hidden or kept a secret from anyone. Wisdom is careful to send out her maidens into every street, every corner, and she herself goes to the highest places of the city and cries loudly and prominently to invite one and all to come to this banquet. No, secondly, very quickly, some, some will benefit from this banquet more than others. Some will benefit from it more than others. Look in verses 4 and 5. Whoso is simple, let him turn it hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Now, everyone is invited, certainly, but she specifically calls to the simple 
and those without understanding to be present at her banquet. The fool and the scorner, they both need it, but they will likely not benefit from it like the simple will. They're still invited, but she anticipates they're probably not going to come. And if they do, they're probably not going to get a whole lot out of it. But they're, well, they're welcome to come. I'm, I'm, I'm crying to the highest place of the city. I'm not eliminating them, but I'm specifically talking to the simple and to those who lack understanding. Now, this thought and appeal led me to make the following observation about the church and its presence in the world as the pillar and ground of the truth. While the church and the gospel is for everyone, listen, we especially ought to be reaching out to the lost, shouldn't we? Those that are lost and without Christ Jesus. I mean, listen, we want everyone to come. But listen, we're desperate. We're desperate for lost people to come because they need it the most. They need it the most. May God help us to preach it consistently. Finally, lastly, here tonight before we conclude, she believes, she believes in what is being presented at this banquet. Look at verse number six. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. She is convinced, wisdom is convinced that participation in this banquet will be a turning point for all those who attend. Now, do we believe that about church attendance? If we did, we'd probably invite a few more people to come, wouldn't we? I mean, if we truly believed, you come to my church and you hear the message preached, the message of the gospel, you will discover it is life changing and life transforming for you. We, do we believe that? She, she, says, she says, listen, you come to my banquet and you're going to discover life. And you're going to find understanding that you never knew before. When someone comes into her palace and eats her prepared meal and listens to her prepared truth, the, the presentation that she's going to make, she says, you will live and you will discover understanding. And because she believes this, she invites everyone and does so without shame or hesitation. What, I, what I'm saying is her belief leads to boldness and to action. And what about those of us who have dined at wisdom's table. We've tasted of the bread of life. We've drunk freely of the water of life. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it a shame that sometimes as believers we can be so cowardly in proclaiming the truth of the gospel, in proclaiming the truth of this book? Well, wisdom puts us to shame tonight, doesn't she? She says, I, I, I just want you to know something. If you'll, if you'll come and you'll dine and you'll feast, oh, it'll be life-changing. And we have that same message. We have that same truth. And yet we oftentimes, we cower and we hide ourselves. We don't want people to know that we have dined at wisdom's banquet table, that we have been transformed by the power and the light of the gospel. May God help us to be bold and confident to proclaim the truth of the scriptures. This is, this is, this is the church, this is what the church is. This is the house that God has built for the proclaiming of truth. And may we, may we consider what wisdom has done and the steps that she has taken. We think about the setting and, and, and the, the lengths that she went to. May we think about the table and what she serves. May we think about the invitation and understand and to make the connection with New Testament biblical Christianity and the local church itself. Would you stand with me? Our heads are bowed.